Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Well-Lit Path podcast. Uh, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there y'all can listen to. I appreciate you taking the time to give this one a listen. My name is Tom Plemons. I'll be your host some of the time. And the person that's going to kick off our inaugural episode. So, Well-Lit Path is kind of a resource that we here at Lake Worth Baptist Church in Lake Worth, Texas, wanted to develop just as something to use for a slightly more in-depth look at some Bible passages. Now, our goal is going to be to take a passage, apply it to our lives, just so the the path that we walk can be a little more well-lit than it was before. I think the psalmist adequately put it when he said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We kind of wanted to build on that concept that all scripture can be used to light the path in front of us so that we just kind of better know where to step, how to navigate, try to avoid the rocks and tree limbs that we might stumble over in what I think we can only call our messy lives. You know, it's, a, it's okay to be messy. I've found that in our mess, that's where God's perfect order lends directly to him getting the glory in our lives when we follow it. And we struggle with it. I know I do. If you're honest, I think you'll admit that you do too. It's just one to three times a week. This all depends on your church attendance, right? It's just not enough to get through this struggle. Now, our prayer is that this podcast will be another resource that helps get you through to your next personal Bible study, um, the next service you attend, the next time you get together with another Christian, a brother and sister in Christ, to draw just a little closer to God through his word. Now, our first study will actually be in the Psalms, and we're going to approach it the way we always approach things in the Bible here at Lake Worth. Uh, As our pastor, Zach Hatton, says, we just want to learn how to do this book. And when he says book, he means the Bible. We want to learn how to do this book better. So we're going to take one chapter at a time, Sometimes it won't even be a whole chapter. It'll be a section at a time. But really, that's the best way to do anything when we approach the Bible is just one step at a time. For each chapter, for each section, we're going to take a look at the context, the author, the message, and the application. We're going to be really radical about our interpretation of the Scripture and that we're not going to. We're going to let the scripture speak for itself, and we're going to take it at face value. What we will always endeavor to do is present it in a fashion that removes our thoughts from it and just kind of focuses on the thoughts that we're being given through his word. And then as we're instructed by Paul, we want to look at it and then think on these things, right? Well, what happens when we get to a passage? Because we will eventually where the intent or the application is really difficult. Well, believing 
that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. What we're going to do when we get to those passages is we're just going to dig until we find the application in it. Difficult doesn't mean it isn't there. It just means we got to search a little bit harder. I think one of the most important study tools I've ever been given is a HEAR approach to studying God's Word, and that's H-E-A-R. And it's just an acronym. H is to highlight. We want to highlight what's being said in the passage. E is explain. Break down the elements of the passage as intended for the original audience. A is apply. How does this same truth impact our lives today? And then finally, what we should always do with God's word is respond. What should I do with the application? Now, as we work our way through these passages, my prayer is really that we bring to light the truths in each verse, in each chapter, in a way that's going to be impactful for our daily walk in the faith, Um, that our steps just be a little more sure because the path in front of us has been lit up. So we're trying not to just stumble forward in the dark. Now, next week, we're going to get started on Psalm 1, but I'd like to take a few minutes here in this first episode just to kind of tell you a little bit about myself. I did introduce myself as Tom Plemons. You know that much about me. Uh, What you may be asking is, you know, why should I listen to this podcast or anything that you have to say? What degrees do you have or qualifications to lead us in a study like this? Well, that's fair. And I'll tell you up front, I don't have a degree. I don't have anything that makes me qualified more than just a general call to all believers to exhort one another in the faith. Now, there is also a specific calling on my life to be in full-time ministry one day, whatever, whatever that may look like, and, and God knows that uh, I don't at this point. Now, fortunately, one of the greatest ways to uplift uh, fellow Christians is when we share our testimony. And, I mean, don't, don't you just love hearing somebody's testimony when... A brother or sister in Christ tells you kind of where they've been, more importantly, where Christ has brought them to. When we share a testimony of how God has blessed us, isn't it most of the time a blessing to someone else as well? Well, we do that kind of here at our church on Wednesday nights. We call it a Good News Wednesday. We do spend the first 15 to 20 minutes of that service just sharing our testimonies of how God is good to us. So I'm just going to take a few minutes here and try not to be too long about it. There's there's a lot of my testimony, I think, that uh, really shows where I've come from. But I'll start by saying that I was, I was born in Peoria, Illinois, to... Uh, Ivan Plemons and Deborah Plemons. Now, Ivan Plemons being my dad, he was also called to preach. He was getting ready to do things in the ministry that God had led him to do. And throughout throughout the course of my life, about seven years old, we moved to Germany as missionaries. Uh, my dad had been called to the field of Germany. 
we moved there. There were years of deputation before that. Uh, I'd love to tell you stories of deputation if I could remember them. I can't. I was super young. Um, I find that the the older I get, the the more I forget the younger things. But then one of these days, I may be able to remember all those things that I forgot. But I I do remember going to Germany. Uh, while in Germany, I remember a point in time in my life where I was having a really hard time sleeping at night. Um, my dad was kind of away doing uh, missionary things, ministry things. And I remember one night just kind of being my stupid self at that time and being really rebellious, didn't want to go to bed. And my mom brought me into her room to talk with me. And I just kind of was really honest with her. And I, I said, I'm, I'm scared that if I go to sleep, I won't open my eyes. And I'll, I'll wind up in hell. And she opened the Bible and she, she showed me the gospel and that night for me, it clicked. And I remember specifically one of the phrases that I said in my prayer that night is that I wanted Christ to come into my heart and sit on the throne of my heart as my king. From there in my life, I wish I could say that was the entire story that led me up to where I am today. But it's not. I think a lot of us would like to say, hey, from salvation, my entire story up until now has been exactly what God intended for me. Uh, if you can say that, man, God bless you. No, really, God bless you. Uh, what a blessing it is to hear that from the time that you were saved that you have just allowed the Holy Spirit to work in your life and you've been led by him and there are so many pitfalls that you were able to avoid because you have been in the word. You have listened to the leading of the Holy Spirit. From very shortly after that, um, I mean, it seems shortly after that, it was quite a few years, came into my teenage years. And one of the things that I was really struggling with as a teenager being a missionary kid is that we are constantly expected to have this thing where it doesn't matter what's going wrong when you're on deputation in the vehicle before you get to church. As soon as you hit those church doors, you are they, the perfect family. So it became very easy for me to kind of put on this face and know what was expected of me. Uh, I've said many times with some of my friends, I think missionary kids would probably make the best undercover operatives in any law enforcement because we learn very young to be whatever that church that we're visiting expects of us. Um, we literally just kind of become all things to all people, like Paul said, but not in, as, a, as a kid. It wasn't in the constructive way that we do that as adults. We kind of just had to change this about us, that about us, to make it more presentable to the church. We were never allowed to look like we had just been in an argument. And that's not, I don't want you to take this as like, Oh, man, my parents were horrible. They constantly made us be fake. Now, that, that was really what was expected of us, and we understood that was, that's what would ex, was expected of us, not because my parents forced that upon us, but because we understood that the perception of a church would and could directly influence whether or not they would take my dad on for support. And this, this was a completely different time, too. you got to remember, this is, oh... 
late 80s, early 90s. And so just throughout all of that, I, I kind of became disenfranchised with the hypocrisy within myself that even on the mission field, I was one type of person with my friends. We went to public school in Germany. I was one type of person with my friends. I was another type of person on Sunday morning when we had to help lead songs and uh, teach in Sunday school at 12 and 13 years old, 14 years old. What we were doing, that kind of stuff, stuff that as adult Christians here in the United States really struggle with serving in that capacity. Here we were um, being church staff. Uh, there were six of us, and it seems like every single one of us was involved in something during, with the church, going out with my dad. Uh, sometimes we would be passing out tracts with him. We would be witnessing to people. We learned at a very young age apologetics with people because when you're in a country that's predominantly Catholic or evangelical, you have to learn to contend for the faith against all those stereotypical things. Uh, why don't you say a prescribed prayer whenever you do something? Well, as Baptists, we don't believe in a prescribed prayer or recital or chanting or things like that. Well, what do you mean that your salvation is based in faith alone and that there's no works involved in it? That sounds really strange. So we were able to answer to those things. And man, I thank God for the experiences we had in being able to kind of go through those types of apologetics early on in our life. But that's that's also the thing, right? I became very good at walking the walk and talking the talk when it mattered and sometimes when it didn't. The last two years that I was in Germany, we lived in a town that was just an hour and a half north of what was at that time the Czech border. And it was former East Germany in a, in a town called Chemnitz. And Chemnitz's name before the Berlin Wall came down was Karl Marx City. It had this huge bust of, of Karl Marx's head in the, in the center of town kind of what, what they called the Marktplatz or a, a marketplace. It wasn't used as a marketplace anymore, but it was just kind of a big uh, courtyard in front of a building. And behind him on the building in huge, huge relief was stamped into metal, workers of the world unite in many, many different languages. But this was the last town that we were in, and it got to a point where you, you couldn't tell me from any of the other kids that I was hanging out with. I was 16, 17 years old. Uh, in, in Germany, you can, you can drink at 16. You can start buying cigarettes at 16. I, at this point, I'd been smoking since I was about 13 years old. And it got to a point in my life where I was being a detriment to my father's ministry and not just my earthly father's ministry. I was being a detriment to my heavenly father's ministry. And I can look back at this now and say these things, but at the time it was me against the world. Uh, my dad didn't want me to do anything. Uh, God didn't want me to have any fun. Here I was just trying to kind of live my life and do my thing. Um, and it got to a point where my dad, justifiably so, said, you don't want to listen to me anymore. 
you're not helping our testimony in this town. And like many missionary kids, it was time to come back to the States. And I know not a lot of missionary kids are sent back to the States because of that specific thing. A lot of them come back at 18 because, you know, it's time to start life in the U.S. But I came back and it didn't get any better. Uh, Within six months, uh, we were staying with my pastor. Within six months, my pastor kicked me out of his house because just I wasn't living the way that a Christian would live. Uh, And that continued on. Uh, I've got, I got mixed up in a lot of different things. Uh, while I wouldn't have called myself an alcoholic, I, I definitely was the type of person who would drink every night. Somewhere in all of that, God allowed me to meet this wonderful, wonderful young lady who now I have the privilege of this year will be 24 years later of calling my wife. And we very quickly... Um, started dating, and it just so happened I, I, I proposed to her. We got married. Our first daughter was born. After that, our son was born. I was not even remotely at a point in my life where I was a, a good husband, a good father. I tried. I was just really kind of pursuing my own interests, the things that I wanted out of life, and really kind of running from this point in time in my life where back when I was 12 years old, we were back in the States and we were at a revival and I really felt a strong pull of the Holy Spirit that he was calling me to full-time ministry. And in in that moment, I surrendered to the ministry at 12 years old. And then from that point, it's kind of the story of my teenage years and most of my young adult life I spent all this time running from it because my dad, we, as a family, we didn't have a lot of money. I didn't want that for myself. I wanted to have money. I wanted to be able to do things. I wanted to be able to kind of be me and experience life in the, through the lens that I wanted to experience life through. And that carried on into my, my early adulthood. And if you, if you listen to another podcast that, that we do here at the church, you, you'll have heard this portion of it already, but I I got to a point in my life where the Lord made it really obvious to me, hey, you either need to turn around and follow me, or your family is not going to be your family anymore. They're going to be somebody else's family, because you need to take care of your family. You need to be a husband. You need to be a father. You need to be what I've called you to be. And at that point in my life, God had just brought me down to such a point where I'd finally hit rock bottom. I had nowhere else to look but up. And from there, I said, Lord, start working in me. Start working in my family. Uh, I, I, and he did. And from there, we started going to church. It started out going to church every Sunday. And listen, if you've been away Start going every Sunday. Just one step. Start going to morning church. Start going to your morning worship service. Sunday school's there, yes. Sunday afternoon is there, or Sunday night is there, and Wednesday night is there, and there are Bible studies. But if you've been away from church and you know, then you surrender to the Holy Spirit to get back in church, start small and you will find that that will not be enough for you. 
We started going to Sunday morning services. Then we started going to Sunday night services. And then we started going to Wednesday night services. And we started going to Sunday morning services. And the Lord opened up an opportunity for us to move down to Fort Worth, Texas, because at the time we were living in in, uh, Marseilles, Illinois, which is about an hour and 45 minutes or so southwest of Chicago. It's just a small town, 4,800 population. But the Lord opened up an opportunity for us to move down to Fort Worth. And I'm going to tell you, that was one of the best moves that we ever made. We got down here. We got in a church. Uh, we were faithful to services. The Holy Spirit was just working in us. And, man, we started working with youth. Um, I, Crystal and I, that's my wife's name is Crystal. Crystal and I started working with the youth. Our, our kids were becoming teenagers, so we got the the joy. And they may not call it a joy, but we got the joy of working with them. It was just, it was just amazing. Uh, the way that the Lord was kind of growing us and putting us in the right situations to where we grew our responsibility and we were serving and we were in ministry uh, for him and going to church camp with the kids and teaching young people, uh, having opportunities to lead Bible studies and things like that. And suddenly, uh, in at the end of, well, I guess at the beginning of 2016, uh, I lost my job. And I that can be detrimental, but the Lord was working. And very shortly after I lost my job, I kind of resurrendered my life to him for whatever he had for me, whatever he wanted for me in the ministry. And from losing our, from losing my job there, the Lord kind of moved us to Southern Illinois and put us in a, a very, very special church uh, where the pastor befriended me took me under his wing, and for the first time in my life, I really started studying my Bible. And I studied, and I studied, and there were things in my life that the Holy Spirit just kind of started to get rid of for me, uh, because as I studied and grew closer to God, he was like, you don't need that in your life anymore. Hey, you don't need that in your life anymore. You need to get rid of that over there. And don't get me wrong, I've never gotten to a place of perfection, and he still tells me things now where, hey, you don't need that in your life. You don't need that in your life. And from that church, uh, started leading worship there, started doing administrative things for the church there. We just, Crystal and I just poured ourselves into church life, and uh, we spent a lot of time there, a lot of time with the pastor and the associate pastor who became really good friends of ours and really, really impactful time in my life where I learned to just kind of be still and listen to the Holy Spirit and study his word. Uh, I started taking just copious notes on messages and the things that I was learning and keeping journals and things like that. And the Lord opened up another door for us to move down to Fort Worth. And I thought it was for one thing, but when we moved back here, we wound up um, through a cir- one circumstance or another at Lake Worth Baptist Church. And this, this path that the Lord had set me on just became more and more well-lit. And uh, he just continued to show me, hey, this is where I want you. This is where I need you. And he's continued to grow us here. Uh, both of our kids are fully grown now. Uh, uh, at this point in time, my son will be getting married uh, sometime in October of this year. And then my daughter will be getting married next year. Um, 
it's just been a, a, a real blessing in our lives to be a part of this church and the ministries here. And this is one of the things that I wanted to kind of jump into when this podcast opportunity became available. It's, it's a realm of ministry that you can teach and study through things with people that I've really been drawn to. And when the Lord opened up this opportunity, I, w- I was kind of all in. So that's kind of a broad, not h- hugely detailed version uh, of my testimony, but suffice it to say, where I was and where God has brought me to, there are people that I used to know that don't recognize me anymore. Uh, there are, are friends that I have on on Facebook that uh, don't read my posts anymore, and I don't read theirs, and that's fine. That's not a time in my life anymore. But as we go into studying these things out in God's Word that we're going to be studying, these are some of the same things that I wound up studying that uh, the Holy Spirit just really used to lead me to where I am today. And I know without his word and without prayer and listening to the Holy Spirit and being in a church that is sound, preaches the gospel, preaches sound doctrine, um, has really been just a huge help to me. And I, I hope to be just a little bit of that kind of help to you. Now, before we get started in the Psalms, I'd like to look at, you know, just some context of it. So the Psalm, Psalms were and are a collection of songs that the Israelites used. They sang, they recited them. Uh, These are songs that they would have hummed, whistled uh, when they're going about their day. They would have kind of been humming these things and whistling them, and it was constantly in their mind, and they they used these for worship. Now, they were were written by many, many different people. Uh, For the longest time as a kid, I thought, like, all the Psalms were written by David. Then as I got older, I learned about all these different authors like Asaph, who, uh, I mean, next to David, Asaph, definitely one of my favorite psalmists. Uh, There were some of the sons of Korah that wrote some psalms. David's son Solomon, he penned a couple of psalms. Moses had a psalm in his name. And then, you know, I thought it was really cool. If you're a a child of the 80s or early 90s, you'll you'll get this reference. If you're not, you don't look it up and bother. But I was amazed to find out that like He-Man himself wrote a psalm. And then I realized it wasn't the He-Man I was thinking of. And we'll, we'll discuss some of those people as we get to psalms that they penned. Um, but I, in studying for the intro uh, to this first book that we're going to cover together, Psalms, I found a really poignant reference to the Psalms in that they're all very similar, yet they're so diverse. It's interesting, really, the cohesiveness of every one Psalm to the next one, but then also to the ones before it. But when we really look, the, the common thread in all of them is that Christ is in all of them. That's the story in every Psalm. You know, these songs were like what some of us may remember as like the, do y'all remember the Heavenly Highway hymns? Uh, this is what they were to the Israelites. If you don't remember Heavenly Highway hymns, ask your grandparents about it. Um, or the, the old Broadman hymnals, if that's one that you remember. Uh, my favorite was always the Heavenly Highway hymns. But this, those old songbooks, you've got to understand that this is how the Israelites thought of these psalms. 
each one of them had a memory for them. Uh, I remember seeing in Heavenly Highway hymns down in a church in Arkansas that we used to visit where our grandparents lived, and they've kind of burrowed their way into my hearts to where even to this day I remember some of them. But they, this is how the Israelites had memories of Psalms. They had memories of them from their grandma standing in the kitchen, uh, just kind of singing and humming to herself, and their their grandpa teaching them or, or or singing to them as they were just playing around or during a quiet time, and they sang these together. They were passionate about them. They had many of them memorized, and these were the only songs they knew and sang for a long time. And there were there were so many different ones. There were there were songs of triumph. There were songs of woe. Uh, there was God's might and their own weakness of their struggle and how God lifts them up from the depths. Um, There's psalms about protection and punishment, and then on the other side of that, repentance and forgiveness. If If a song remembers when, then a psalm recalled everything. It was like it was like putting kind of a, a country song and a gospel song together because it told a story that actually benefited someone. This is where they learned of God and his character and how far they could be from that character. This, these psalms are where we're going to find out more about ourselves by finding out more about the real author the hand that moved the human pen to write in such beauty and in such anguish, in joy and in sadness. I've read the Psalms many times, but this time with you, would you kind of just come on a little journey with me? Can we, can we take a few walks by the still waters. Can't we just stop for a second and roll around in the grass of some green pastures? And then will, will you come with me to the deepest pit of despair? I don't want to dwell there, but I, just, just to visit long enough that we can look up and see how glorious our God is. Now, it's going to be a journey, and I'm glad to have you with me. When we look at these Psalms, it's from these pages that Jesus and the apostles launched out from the Last Supper into the night and headed toward the Garden of Gethsemane. It's from these pages that Paul told us to uplift one another in Psalms and spiritual hymns. It's from these pages that we find even the language of worship in our songs today have been drawn. I don't know if you've listened, but a lot of these worship songs today, they're drawn directly from these psalms. It's from these pages that we can pray promises and ask for forgiveness as David did so many times. Because listen, we don't struggle alone. When we stumble, when we falter, We're in the company of kings and Levites. We see all of the humanity of a follower of Christ in the Psalms. Then on the flip side of that, we see all of the ways that he cares for those that follow after him.
There's a path in front of us. When we look up to either side, sometimes it feels like the darkness is just closing in. We can hear others, but we can't see them. We, we shake the flashlight we've tried to bring along ourselves, but it doesn't light the way. It doesn't illuminate our surroundings. And it's a struggle. And we think in our ego that we, we, we've got this. The sounds of where we came from told us we can do it on our own. And then somebody walks by with a torch. And you're kind of like, why, why is this torch so bright? Where do they get that thing? It's, it's kind of like when you open your eyes first thing in the morning, you forgot to shut the blinds and the sun's just streaming in and hitting you right in the face. That's how bright this light is. This person's willing to share that light with you. That's the light of the gospel when it first touched our lives. This person breaks off a piece of their torch and they hold it out to you and you accept it. This was the start of our Christian life. And that person walks beside us for a while. And before you know it, using this new light that you have, you've, you've found a way to a narrower path. You're not on the main road anymore. It's a little bit closer. It's a little more narrow. And it seems a little darker. But the difference is, is that now you're equipped. As you hold this little piece of torch and you study it, you notice that it has truth written on it. And the more you read the words of truth, the more words you find. And, and somehow this little torch, it's, it's, it's growing in your hand. And what that means is the way isn't as dark. The light gets brighter as the torch grows. Now listen, there, there's still some rocks and some branches that you trip over, but that only happens when you start looking around and past where the light is shining. And what you find is that the more you keep your eyes on the torch and the well-lit path right in front of you, the more successfully you can walk on the narrow road that you're on. Will you come walk with me for a little while and we can read the words together? Next week, We'll get started by learning the why of the Psalms in Psalm 1. I can't wait to get together again with God's Word between us. 